My name is Chris Fett and welcome to Just Fucking Win on Saturday at 3. On this episode we'll be looking ahead to Rangers game on Saturday at 3 against St Mum at Ibrox and discussing Ross Wilson's departure to Nottingham Forest. Joining me go through this, first of all, is producer Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm grand, Chris. You know, uh, still not really over the weekend's result, but, you know, I think that's difficult to get over a kind of old firm defeat. But onwards and upwards, we can look forward and we've got some happy news to discuss later on as well. So that put me in a good mood as well. I was literally just about to say what happy news and then, of course, uh, Ross Wilson. Um, I, I, my, my brain finds it hard to uh, decompartmentalise Ross Wilson and the word happy. So, uh you're right, it is happy news, but just it's my brain that's just not kind of wired up correctly with both of those words in the same sentence. Um, and also joining producer Andrew and I is Kenny. Kenny, how are you, mate? I'm really good, thanks. Uh, how are you? How's your Twitter account, mate? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that uh, as well towards the end. Some news about that. Um, which is uh, fairly positive for other people. Um, so obviously, it's a week never goes by in Rangers without something happening. Um, and over the course of this season, it usually has been a negative. Uh, and some people actually might actually see this as a negative. Um, Ross Wilson has departed the club and joined Nottingham Forest as, uh, I don't know, I think Chief Football Officer, I think they're calling his title there. It's essentially the same role that he was doing at Rangers, um, maybe give or take a few things. So we will we will come on to that. Uh, there is a game at the weekend, which we will discuss first before we get into the kind of meat and bones of, of Ross Wilson. Uh, so, Kenny, just you hang fire. I know you're ready to pull the trigger. Um St Mirren, a very, very tough game this weekend. Uh, you could argue, um, essentially here, this is going to be really quite a controversial take, but um, I, I, I do believe there is something in it. Uh, Andrew, I'll come to you for this take. Uh, you could argue St Mirren have got more to play for than Rangers in this particular game. Oh, well, I think that's almost definitely the case. Um, we're not exactly in any danger of uh, dropping down to third. I think after the result of the weekend, it's fair to say that first isn't an option either. So we're, we're almost in a holding pattern. I think the only thing is, of course, every game for Rangers is must win. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be important on that front. But yeah, in terms of actual tangible things to uh, to be looking to gain out of this game, uh, yeah, St Mirren's won all the way. Yeah. And that presents its own problems because St Mon are in a good run of form. St Mon are in a good position within the league. Uh, I've stayed in Paisley now. I'm 33, 33 last week. So I've stayed in Paisley for 30 years of my life. The first three years of my life, I was, I was born and kind of born and brought up in Glasgow, but uh, I moved to Paisley as a three year old. So for all my life, uh, St Mirren have been an irrelevance, really. Uh, I was. Obviously, just a baby when they won the Scottish Cup. Um, they've had a wee bit of kind of up and down. Uh, and in, in the whole, Kenny, uh, when they have a promotion winning team, they get up to the, the Premier League and they just sort of hover around that 10th, 11th, 12th spot. Uh, no follow on that. They had the success under Danny Lennon getting uh, winning the, the Scottish League Cup. They also should have had another Scottish League Cup if a fail because they should have beat Rangers the day that we went down to nine men. But unbelievably, because we went down to nine men, that gave us the, the boot up the arse we needed and, and they were a wee bit unlucky then. But I'm going to go as far as saying that this is the best St Marine team in my lifetime, easily. Uh, they are three points off third 
They're currently sitting in fifth position. They're three points off third. Three wins in the last six. One defeat in that period, and that came against Celtic. So that's uh, understandable for from a St Mirren point of view. Last game uh, just there, they beat Hearts two 0 at Tynecastle. Uh, obviously, Hearts have got their own problems, but St Mirren still had to go and do the, the business. And obviously, uh, as as me and Andrew alluded to there, that the, there probably is more in more in this game for St Mirren and Rangers in terms of uh, what a positive result is. That that kind of gives me the fear because of who the manager is. We've seen when Stephen Robinson wants to get a result against the old firm, uh, and a result to Stephen Robinson is obviously a draw. Um, and I, I don't think Rangers are in any danger of, of actually losing this game at the weekend. But if Stephen Robinson wants to uh, set out for a draw, we have literally seen him with uh, Motherwell play six at the back and four in midfield and nobody up front. So I think that could be a, a massive problem. But um, before we can want to kind of house that they're going to play, Kenny, just a word on a very, very impressive job that Stephen Robinson's done for a very much unfancied St Mirren team. I mean, they don't have any superstars. It's, it's just as a typical... Uh, who's who of the SBFL, but to bring them all together and do this, uh, get, get this run run of form going and, and being three points off for position would be massive, not just for the club, but as I say, I stay in the town and it'd be, it'd be huge for Paisley. Absolutely, as you know, I, I, I work in Paisley, I've worked there since 1986, uh, so I whether it's the best Simmer team or not, uh, in my lifetime I'm not quite sure, but it's up there. Um, and I've got to say that their manager's done a, a cracking job. Um, they are probably, you know, out with Celtic and Rangers, probably the form team in the country at the minute. Yeah. Uh, they're certainly the most consistent team in the country at the minute, out with the big two. Um, and Robertson has, uh, Robertson Robinson has actually surprised me because I'm not a massive fan of the guy, but I've got to be honest, it, it, you know, you know my job. I'm a barber, and a lot of Sydney fans come into the shop, and they they have been blown away by how well they have played this season. Um, look, at, see to be honest, we shouldn't have any problem on Saturday, um, but they, they're a decent enough side, and he's got them. As you say, it's a sum of all parts, really, isn't it? They're they've no big stars, they've no you know top players or anything like that, but they're doing very very well. I've got to say, we've been really quite impressed with them all season. Yeah, no, I totally agree about the point in Robinson. Uh, I, I know a few St. Mon fans and uh, at the time, uh, it's none of my business, obviously, because I'm not a St. Mon fan, but I, I, I kind of stuck my, my, my tuppence worth in and it was like uh, Jim Goodwin done a relatively good job. They had an opportunity to go for a young, exciting manager. I believe that at one point they were... Um, they were looking at Scott Brown. Uh, they, they, they had an opportunity there to build on some good work that Jim Goodwin had actually done by by getting a, a kind of young, progressive, maybe Scottish manager in. Instead, they went the route that most SPL, SPFL clubs go down, which is tried and, uh, tried, and, uh, tried and twisted. And it was just a very boring appointment for me. I thought 9, 10, 11 is probably their aim, probably as their, their budget, really. And I have to say, the job that Stephen Robinson done has just been absolutely fantastic. It really, really is. I, I mean, well, we're, we're bumming up Sitmer in here in, in this podcast uh, at the opening uh, couple of minutes of it, but I think they completely deserve it. Um, but uh, Andrew, as I, as I alluded to, that that is the fear because Sitmer are playing for a crucial point, and it is a sort of free hit for them. But with Stephen Robinson, he's not going to use it as a free hit. He will be trying to get this point, uh, and that will have 
an impact on how they play. And as we've seen, Stephen Robinson is not scared to absolutely part, not just the bus, but two buses. And this Rangers team, although they've been getting better against a, a low block, um, I don't think... I, th- I think this is going to be the most ultra-low block we've came up against since Michael Beale arrived. I really do believe that. So do you envisage that that would cause us problems at the weekend? I think, to be honest, it, it's back to what we have typically known so far under Beale, which is going to be, we know we're going to have to play through a brick wall. The last game that Gio was in charge for, they got a draw against us, and uh, it will be a low block. Uh, it's it's going to be similar to what we face against the rest of the teams in the league. So I suppose the good thing is we have improved since that draw um, with Gio in charge. Uh, Beale has been managing to get results against these teams. They haven't always been pretty. Uh, I think that's down to the teams that we play against and the way that they want to play football. As we always say, as long as we can impose a bit of our style on them, then we'll be laughing. Yeah, uh, just on that, uh, Kenny, uh, Michael Beale, uh, looks like, uh, rather bizarrely, that there won't be any press conference this week. Uh, if there is, it's going to happen on the Friday. Um, but the, an interview was released by Rangers TV with Michael Beale um, reacting to Ross Wilson's departure. And then towards the end, there was some discussion about the Sitman game. So that kind of... To me, I believe that that means that there's going to be no press duties, which is, again, a wee bit bizarre. And Michael Beale did touch upon this, that I think this is going to be his 21st league game and it's going to be his first meeting against St Mirren, which is a wee bit of a gremlin there, he said. Obviously, the, it goes down to the fact that St Mirren was the last game before the break and obviously the way the fixtures kind of landed on his lap. So St Mirren, this is the first time that Michael Beale is going to be playing St Mirren as a, as a Rangers manager. And as, as Andrew said, obviously he's found a solution against all the other teams in the league, but the fact that this is going to be the first time he's coming against, uh, as what I've said to Andrew, I genuinely believe this will be the toughest low block that, that Beale's had to deal with since he's, he's came back. So th- does that make you a wee bit kind of apprehensive a wee bit? I know it's difficult to talk about maybe potential negatives against St Mirren at Ibrox, but we, we do have to be a bit cautious because they are a, a very tough nut to crack. They, they're not, as we've already mentioned, they're not a team of individuals they are genuinely a team and they work as a team and if Rangers decide to have an off day it could cause us one or two problems. Of course it will listen respect every opponent Chris this is a team that the only team in Scotland this year that's managed to beat Celtic think about it that way they went to uh, they went to Tynecastle last was it last week got themselves a great result look you know you've got to understand that in that particular game that they, they did beat Celtic, they sat off. Celtic had something like 80% of the ball and were absolutely hosed. They were lucky to get out there only 2 nothing. Mm-hmm. So so the, the, you, you have to respect the, this opponent because, yeah, we have got better players. We are a better team. We know that. But if we don't turn up and if we're lacking any kind of motivation because uh, of last week's result and the fact that, you know, the, the league is now gone then don't be surprised if St Mern turn up and take full advantage of it. They're a confident, uh, decent uh, Scotty side. Now, they're not a great side. I'm not trying to bum them up and and put them on a pedestal or anything like that. We should beat them. If we turn up and be, be play well and perform to the you know the standards that we can, we will take the three points. But we need to respect the fact that they are, they are a very decent side. And as I said earlier there, they are probably the form team in the country out with Rangers and Celtic. And that is a fact. They're doing better than Hearts, they're doing better than Hibs, they're doing better than Aberdeen at the minute. They're picking up more points than all of these teams, so we have to respect that, Chris. 
Andrew, just on the point of obviously the, the league probably well, it is done. It's no, there's no probably about it. It is uh, the, the the result of the weekend. They're pretty much made sure of that. Um, Michael Beale has alluded to obviously certain players getting a chance under him before the end of the season. One player in particular is Robbie McCrory. He's mentioned it now a few times that he will get his chance. Is this the game that you fling these kind of players in? Um, you know, Lowry, uh, Leon King, uh, Robbie McCrory, Matondo, Yilmaz, Wright, Haji. We will come on to what Michael Beale said about Wright, Haji, King and Matondo, but um, we'll obviously discuss this first. Or perhaps... Do you think Michael B will take the approach? Not at the moment because the semi-finals coming up. Keep with the best team, and then after the semi-finals done, we can start experimenting a wee bit, bringing these kind of fringe guys in, these young players in, and seeing what they're made of. Obviously, if they was to bring them in now, there's a potential where it can kind of knock Rangers out of their rhythm in, in 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 regards to what the best team is. So, how do you see it? Give them the chance now, or just keep the best team going, building that momentum back up for the semi-final? Well, I think your, your point about the best team is an interesting one because we we played pretty much what we'd say would our, would be our best team uh, this past weekend and came up short. So is there an argument to say that Beal wants to have a look at the rest of the squad and see if any of those guys are going to feature going forward and maybe they form part of that best team going forward into next season? I mean, I'm not saying that suddenly Rami Matondo is going to turn into the best player in the world, but... Does he deserve more of a chance than Ryan Kent? Oh, that's on me, Andrew, because yeah. it's, it's, you're right, our best team gave it our best shot and we didn't get the result the weekend. I just don't think that anyone who wasn't in that starting 11, out with Conor Goldson, comes in and improves the team. I really, I think that's where we're at. I think the squad depth, it's it's one of the things that we're going to come on to when we talk about Ross Wilson. It's just not there. The quality just isn't there. And I, I would be very nervous if Michael Beale starts experimenting with a, with an eye to the semi-final, bringing in maybe a fringe guy that could possibly form part of that best team. Because I think no matter what, whoever you bring in, it will weaken the team. And I, I, I don't share that concern because ultimately it's St Mirren. We are... What, 25-plus points clear of third in the league? and Maybe St Murray in isolation, or maybe talking about just in, in terms of preparation for the semi-final. Yeah, but realistically, how many games have we got left that really matter this season? One, uh. hopefully two, right? So, realistically, this is absolutely the time to experiment, because absolute worst-case scenario, we could lose the rest of our games and we'll still finish comfortably second. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think we, we're not going to learn anything more about uh, about Ryan Kent or Alfredo Morales at this point. We know who they are. We know what they can offer us. And we've seen some of their limitations and their shortfalls as well. Mm-hmm. So I would I would give the chances to the, to the younger boys. Certainly someone like Robbie McCrory. I mean, let's be honest, against St Mirren, he's not exactly going to face an onslaught from them. Yeah. So these are absolutely the games to, to be rotating in because ultimately you can always recycle and prepare for the old firm game in due course but this is an opportunity and there, there's no better way of motivating a player than dangling the prospect of an old firm semi-cup final in front of them um if that doesn't get a performance out of you then frankly you don't belong at rangers anyway right so that's what we want to be seeing we want to see these players motivated we want to see them wanting to play for the shirt this is the kind of thing that would entice them to do so so i, I say go for it Kenny, my concern there would be, to Andrew's point, that I think it would motivate certain players to grab that jersey. But on the day when we play Celtic is when 
you would ultimately find out that they would let us down. So where, where do you stand on this? Um, Ryan Kent needs dropped purely on the basis that he's not performing. Uh, whether you start uh, Fashion Sakala on the left-hand side and move him over there or start Rabbi Matondo over there and have a look at him, uh, I, I don't know. But I think it's a kind of twofold question because I actually don't think he'll change too much because the cup semi-final is only two weeks away. But then again, he's going to look at it and say that guys like Ryan Kent, uh, guys like uh, perhaps Borna Barisic, guys like Alan McGregor, he might want to actually, he might well look at it and say, do you know what, they are not performing in that particular game, that Celtic game. So he might want to have a, a wee look at certain players just to see if they can cut it at all. Um I, I, listen, uh, it's it's a very difficult situation that Michael Beale f- finds himself in at the minute because I, I think Kent is playing with one eye out the door. I think Alfie's playing with one eye out the door. Um, my question about the young lad McCrory would be, uh, and we've discussed this before, but he's not in front of a 34, 35-year-old John McLaughlin who's not good enough, and John McLaughlin's not good enough to take the place of a 41-year-old and clearly struggling now, Alan McGregor. So what does that say about the 25-year-old McCrory if he's not in front of those two? And I understand he's been injured and all that, and I'm not trying to be harsh. I, I just genuinely look at it and think, Ryan Kent's not kicked a ball really all season for his McCrory's the third choice of a, a bad lot. Um, and there's other players there, the guys like Lundstrom and stuff like that, that... We really do have, and Kamara's another, that we really do have to look at and say, are they going to be part of our plans next season? And if he's swithering or debating with himself on these decisions, he's going to have to have a look at them. But my gut feeling would be that he probably isn't going to do that until after this cup semi-final. Uh, and if, if we happen to win that, he might not do it at all. That's yeah. the kind of weird thing about it. Don't know what you think about that, but that it's a kind of dilemma that I think Michael Beale finds himself with, to be honest. And I don't really know what he'll do, but I don't see him starting the McCrory unless he's a hundred percent fit. I think I think there needs to be a balance to it. I think there, there should be some changes, definitely. Uh, I think a message does need to uh, be put down to the players, uh, like Ryan Kent. Actually, um, my worry about uh, Ryan Kent is I'm I'm still on the fence about what I want Kent to do but I'm certainly not in the fence about what I think is going to happen I, I'm at the complete opposite end of the, the opinion uh, as you Kenny I think Ryan Kent is absolutely nailed on to stay uh, I think his relationship with Bill, I think Bill's positivity when discussing a new contract with Ryan Kent um, when you kind of compare with how he speaks about Kent to how he speaks about Morelos uh, I think Kent well, absolutely. I have absolutely no doubt about it. He's going to stay. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't know how I feel about that because he he is a good player. He does he, he can be an asset to Rangers, uh, both on the field and obviously financially off the field. I have no doubt about that still. But it's this has been a poor, poor, poor season for Rankin, and um, it was pretty much summed up last week. And I do believe that he needs some time out of the team. I don't think it's going to harm. I think uh, Kent is Michael Beale's boy. Um, and that's not to say that Michael Beale plays favourites, but I just think Michael Beale will look at it from a different point of view as all of us. Does Fashion does Sakala improve Rangers over Ryan Kent? Now, we would say as fans at the current moment, yes, but I think obviously Michael Beale knows Kent more 
uh, are better than us. Um, and I think Bill's opinion would differ from that. So it's it's, it's a tough one. As I say, I think there needs to be some balance to it. I think some players do need to come in. Not necessarily young players. Obviously, I'll, I'll touch upon the point that Michael Beale brought up, brought up in this interview. Scott Wright, Yannis Hadji, Leon King and Rabbi Matondo all had uh, a good number of minutes um, against Chelsea reserves at the training ground this week. So that to me would suggest that these guys are going to... The fact that Michael Beale has name-dropped them specifically, it would suggest to me that they are going to get some minutes on the field um, for, for the first team. And whether that is at the weekend or not, I'm not sure. But, uh, Andrew, it's, it's it's an interesting one having a bounce game at the training centre, it, effectively at the end of the season. Does that kind of show you that Beale wants these players taken over because he, he, he does feel as if he's going to need to use them at some point between now and the end of the season? I think it's got to be the way, right? Um, like I touched on earlier, Ultimately, we're in a stage where we can afford to experiment um, from, from a pragmatic standpoint. You know, there, there's not a lot we can lose at this point. So, and to be honest, having a fully fit squad is a pipe dream still at this point, but it'd be good to be closer to that than not. So I can understand the instinct to get some of these players game time, get minutes in their legs, because you want to have your options. Um, I was talking this over with my old man. When we're looking at the bench for our team against Celtic, um, Goldson comes out injured, so Suter comes in. We didn't have a defender apart from Ridvan Yilmaz on the bench for us. So our option there, if we had a defensive injury, one of our centre-backs goes down, our option was bring on John Lundstrom. So that is not a good situation to be finding ourselves in. We're, we're, we need to get as many, as many members of this squad fit and prepared to play a role because, you know, some of these guys are playing for their shirts. Um, when it comes to Ken, I, I'm of the opinion that we should be able to get better elsewhere. Um, if Ryan Kent stays, he will take up a good chunk of wages. He won't be a low earner at the club based on you know his time served so far and his expectations around his wages. I think we could get better elsewhere. I truly do. In terms of the money that we'd be putting out for him uh, for wages, we could get something better for that. But at the moment, we don't have a director of football who's making those decisions. So it's going to be interesting to see how we approach that business come the summer. It's probably a good thing, though. Uh, Kenny, uh, just one final point. Uh, two final points, actually. Connor Goldson is going to be fit for the semi-final. Now, that's a, that's, that is quite a boost, actually, because the way that Bill was talking about the injury on uh, Saturday, it appeared that it was quite a bad one. It appeared that he would probably miss the end of the season. Now, Bill didn't say that. It's just the way he was talking and his tone. And obviously, a hip injury, that's not a muscle injury. That's a bone injury. So there, obviously, it takes uh, longer to to re- um, recuperate from. So that, that's that got to be a boost, yeah? Well, of course, yeah. Um, I think he was, as far as I can recall, he was uh, sent for a scan. So the, the scan must have come back pretty clear. Maybe a bit of bruising or whatever. I don't know. But... Um, yeah, any hip injury is worth uh, worrying about, obviously, because that's one of those parts of your body that if if you, you've got an injury there, you're not doing very much as a sportsman, are you? Let's be honest. Um, but yeah, it's it's great news that he'll be back. Um, but at this minute in time, when it comes to that particular game, I'm just feeling rather pessimistic, and I don't want to uh, put a downer on the pod, mate. So uh, I'm just delighted that he'll be fit either next week or the week after, uh, he's vital for us. We know that, don't we? He's he's a key, key player. And yeah, the quicker he's back, the better. 
I'm going to deliberately stay with you, Kenny, here uh, for the final point just before we move on to Ross Wilson. And that is obviously the Kevin Clancy narrative um, is now complete. Uh, the, the narrative is that big bad Rangers fans. Um, now, listen, I said last week that like, we don't condone any of that shit. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just not on, obviously. Uh, guys got a family and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm not saying that you should just forget about it. You shouldn't. Um, that has to be dealt with, and it has to be dealt with in the strongest possible terms. So if these guys can be identified, um, or women, uh, Rangers should be doing something about it. Um, also, in the same hand, Clancy shouldn't be getting away with cheating, because uh, that's what he done. And because of this unfortunate um, abuse that he received, uh, that's now became the talking point, and SFA have backed him. Chris Boyd still telling Rangers to move on, and the story has now finished. This, uh, Kenny, as I said, deliberately came to you, this is what we're up against. Yep. As I said to you in the last pod that we recorded, Chris, um, we've allowed the narrative to be changed, to be coerced into uh, Big Bad Rangers, as you, as you put it, but I would, I would go farther than that and say that the headlines, the 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 tone. I'm going to come in here. Um, last month, Douglas Park, Ed Douglas Park, uh, Douglas Ross was running the line at Parkhead, and he had to uh, see a banner be unveiled by the Green Brigade saying uh, "VAR check, Douglas Ross is a cunt," and that was laughed at because he's a Tory. Yeah, but there was also referees and other people out there demanding that the SFA do something about that. Did they? No, they didn't. Um, and this is it. This is what I keep saying. It's it's one rule for us and a, another rule for everybody else, Chris. Um, and until we box clever, we think smarter, um, get ourselves united uh, from boardroom down and uh, setting your strategy or your plan about how we bring our club forward and uh, become a political animal and a political animal in the Scottish game instead of um, a laughing stock, which is under this board, previous boards, uh, for a number of years, right back to David Murray's end of days, is his end of tenure. We have been a laughing stock in this country, Chris, in terms of the clout that we have. We have none. Yeah, right. I agree with that, and I think that many Rangers fans interpret that as uh, Celtic fans are laughing at us in regards to that. Um, but it isn't just Celtic fans, Chris. Well, well it's, it's, I, I'm going to go actually further here and make quite a statement. Um, my best mate has died in the will Celtic, man. He's like, for every bit as I'm a Rangers fan, he's a Celtic fan. And I had a conversation, it kind of turned into an argument. Um, they still think they're the victims. They think, uh, and he's getting this from uh, Kerrydale Street, he's, a, he's an avid user of this, and he presented this theory to me, um, and I was just totally gobsmacked. Because of what happened last Saturday, they're convinced that John Beaton's going to be given the semi-final to even things up. They genuinely still think they're the ones that are that the SFA are out to get. The only people who understand that Rangers are at a complete disadvantage here are the people pulling the strings up in the Parkhead boardroom. They know they've got nothing to worry about when it comes to the SFA, but their fans still believe that the SFA, despite what's that now, 11 trophies in 12 years, how many trebles, they still think that the SFA are out to get them. 
I, I'm I'm totally blown away by that. Like on Saturday, it should have been totally that should have been put to bed, but it's not. Instead, it's Martin, ne- listen, Chris, it's never going to get put to bed. I'm 53 years of age, and it's been this way since I was a kid. It's not going to get put to bed. This is the way they see it. And it's, I'll ask you a simple question before we move on. Why do you think that is? It's it's because the Celtic board need the, the Celtic fans to be paranoid in order to complete um, in order to continue uh, with their. And board. how do you think they do it? They, they, they will. Uh, how do I think they do it? Uh, Probably using the media to come up against some anti-Celtic narrative, even though the Celtic board know themselves that is not the case. I think that's how they do it. Exactly. Ex-employees retained to send out the message all over the country, on every TV station, every newspaper, every radio station, the narrative gets set by them. And that's why it doesn't matter what we think here. This is what I'm trying to say. doesn't matter how... uh, have done by we get, or are done by, and we're not, listen, uh, Kevin Clancy made a mistake, whether he's a cheat or not is open to debate, we've we've, we've discussed this in the last pod, but, but you know, we, and we, we, we said our piece, the issue I have with this is exactly what you're saying, they still believe that they're the victim, but they, I don't think they do, I actually think they just work it, even, even their supporters are working this to the point where the pressure just stays on referees, constantly. It stays on the SFA constantly. It stays on Neil Doncaster at the SPFL constantly. You better do right by us. You better do right by us. And listen, uh, people might not like me saying this, but see until we get with the programme and realise what they're doing and that it works um, and fight for a little bit of fire with fire, uh, we're going nowhere with this. We will continue to get this, um, what's the word, disdain mm-hmm. put to us uh, on a constant basis, Chris. It's just, and that, that I'm afraid, without going into a, a deep dive into our board, that that responsibility lies with our investors and our executive board. That's who has to deal with this. Yeah. Andrew. A, P, a PR machine is yeah. required, a proper one. No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Andrew, I bet you're glad you stay in London. You don't need to deal with his bullshit day in, day out. Look, I've had people ask me if uh, Celtic or Hearts are the Catholic team in Scotland. So, you know, it's not even a factor down here. No, no one knows um, the first thing about Scottish football down here. So it's quite nice on that front. Um, I'd like to apologise to the audience. We've just had to edit out another 30 minutes of ranting from Kenny there. But, um, you know, you, I think we've left the gist in for you anyway. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> of course, mate. Uh, look. We find ourselves in a situation we do, but it's a hell of a conspiracy if uh, we're the ones who are benefiting from it, you know? Um, I mean, any Celtic uh, placeholders are out there listening in, we'll happily trade places. I'd like to offer that up right now. We'll, we'll change ends. We can be the victims of this horrible conspiracy and win every trophy in Scotland. And, you know, they can, you know, be the secret masterminds behind all of Scottish football somehow. Just as well, you added some nuance there, Andrew. I was getting a wee bit worried when you trade places with Celtic. I was like, where is he coming up? <laughs> I would accept that. Um, mm. but let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, this Clancy conspiracy SFA debate can and probably will rumble on until there is some degree of change. And what that change looks like, I do not know. Um, 
Actually, it probably means it stays at the status quo, but the SFA have told Rangers that something's changed and Rangers would probably accept it. But look, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that over the... It's going to rumble on to the kind of pre-season as well, so we will keep an eye on that over time. Let's move on to Ross Wilson. So uh, a story broke that Ross Wilson was a target for Nottingham Forest as they'd sacked their director of football. Um, I believe the story broke actually from a parody account who has form for this. Uh, he actually done the, the same thing uh a couple uh, Aaron Ramsey, I, I think it was. I'm sure it was Aaron Ramsey. He, he made some sort of rumour up and then it came to life. And he's actually commented on it since saying Rangers seem to be adding some legitimacy to his trolling, <laughs> which is, um, you know, if he's going to if he's going to tell us that we're signing superstars and getting rid of an unpopular figure amongst the club, then continue on because if it comes keeps coming true, then um, only Rangers can benefit from this. But it was a very bizarre night on Twitter because, as I said, the story broke from a parody account who was clearly taking the piss. He put two and two together. Uh, the the Nottingham Forest director of football left, and then obviously Rangers fans are not in favour of Ross Wilson. So he said that Ross Wilson is going to Nottingham Forest. It was quickly dismissed by all Rangers outlets. Um, and then literally four or five hours later, the Athletic are reporting that Ross Wilson is on his way to Nottingham Forest. And we're all like, what the? What? Right, okay. Um the first thing I want to discuss is how quickly this happened. I think that tells a very, very big story for me, how quickly this 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 all came about. This isn't this is was like a, a twenty-four hour turnover from story breaking to being appointed. Kenny, if Ross Wilson is doing a good job, if Ross Wilson is enjoying himself at Rangers, there's a fight there. And I don't believe that Ross Wilson is appointed the director of football at Nottingham Forest as quickly. So I think it tells a story of how Rangers felt, how Ross Wilson felt, and how it was better for all parties. Do you think that's a, a good um, summarisation of it? Yes, very probably. Uh, what I would say is that I did notice, and I don't—I think you'd mentioned it earlier on, about Michael Beale's interview on RTV tonight. Uh, he mentioned that he'd known about it for a couple of weeks. Mm. Yeah, which which I, I, I genuinely took me aback a wee bit because I think that there has obviously been stuff going on in the background here. D- Douglas Park away, uh, Ross Wilson away as well. There's been a number of changes as we know, and I, I think that the uh, the apple cart is uh, <laughs> being unsettled a little bit. I think up there at the minute, and what is uh, going on with Ross Wilson? Doesn't actually surprise me. I think he is, uh, he's quite a proud guy. I think he's very confident. He's not shy about bringing himself forward. Um, behind the scenes, I'm talking about, not so much in the public eye. Um, and I think those banners the other week would have given him the hump. I, th- I think it's that simple. How dare they think mm. they can do that to me? I'm out of here, um, which is fine. See you later, mate. Thanks for everything because uh, listen, uh, uh, we've had, we've had deep dives on this guy and everything. You know this yourself, Chris. You know my feelings on him. Um, thanks for everything. See, I wouldn't want to be you. And yeah, good luck at Nottingham Forest, and let's move on and forget all about him. Andrew, uh, Michael Beale said that this will have no impact on recruitment. Everything that we're going to do in the summer is all essentially finalised. We just now, we just obviously now need to go and get the player into the club. So by that, I mean, we've probably spoken to the teams, we've probably spoken to the players, we've probably agreed what the fee's going to be, we've probably agreed what their wages are going to be. We just now need to wait for the window to open and get everything into kind of 
um, uh, move everything forward with that. Uh, which would be a welcome surprise, really. Rangers being proactive and getting early business done would really, really be a welcome surprise. I will say it when I believe it. But that puts to bed some fears that Rangers fans maybe have that this would have impacted on recruitment, whereas uh, Michael Beale, the manager, saying it won't because everything's already been done, agreed and signed off. It's just a case of, as I say, having to wait a couple of months until the window opens, getting the money in, um, and then obviously exchange the money with other clubs, and then you'll see the players holding the scarf above their head. So does that uh, make you feel positive about next season, that Rangers seem to be proactive for the first time in a very, very long time? Well, I mean, in fairness, last summer we did our business early doors as well, um, no. and then we just didn't do anything <laughs> um, after we'd confirmed that we got a load more money. So, I, you know. I, I think the last season, though, it was <laughs> signed three players, and we'd went three weeks without a player. So, although I take your point that it was quick for Rangers, mm-hmm. our opponents just happened to be quicker, and I think maybe they've learnt a lesson from that. We're grading on a different curve then, right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so... I think the interesting thing, and I'm, I'm drawing some of this from an interview that was released by Rangers uh, from Michael Beale talking about you know the current plans around the club and the recruitment strategy as well, which is interesting because um, I don't think we were expecting to get a comment from the manager about our position above him uh, in terms of staff changeover. But he was Michael Beale was at pains to point out that there were teams of people involved in terms of the recruitment, in terms of the scouting. So. There is a sense that there's a machine that's going and working behind the scenes on all these transfers and on, you know, our upcoming business. It's not going to be any surprise to anyone that we're looking to bring in more players uh, over the summer. Uh, I think we're up to, Michael B was saying, around five or six players coming in. So, you know, that work's obviously been ongoing already. Um, I imagine the machine keeps on turning. I suppose the interesting thing will be, you know, do we look to actually replace the the role that Ross Wilson's just vacated, or does that does that kind of remit get folded into those teams who have existed beneath him? Yeah, it's uh, something we're working on about a potential replacement. Uh, just before we get to that, um, Kenny, uh, what would well, first of all, we got a fee for Ross Wilson, which is believed to be about one hundred fifty thousand, which is quite unbelievable in itself. Um, how would you sum up Ross Wilson's legacy at Rangers? I'll ask the same question to Andrew, but Kenny, you go first. His legacy. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm going to try and be as kind as I can be, okay? Because as a supporter, as just an ordinary guy, supporter, uh, all I see is the signings that he's made, uh, the sales that he's made, and all the rest of it. And in the main, he's been a... a it's been a fail for him. That that's me being kind. I'm I'm trying to be reasonable. Uh, in saying that, I I don't know what his exact job remit was. Um, but when you analyse what directors of football do and all the rest of it, uh, I do feel that the work going on behind the scenes, how well he's done, uh, is is also open for debate. Um, I can remember, and we need we need to shift back. Uh, five years here, okay, so it's before Ross Wilson was here, but I will say this, Mark Allen was there before him, Stephen Gerrard was a, was appointed our manager with Michael Beale and Gary McAllister as his backroom staff, and Stephen Gerrard came in and overhauled just about everything at our football club. So in that sense, when Ross Wilson comes in 
I I actually genuinely think between Mark Allen, Stephen Gerrard, a lot of that infrastructure has been put in place. He might have tweaked it. He might have improved some of it. He might have made certain parts of it, like the medical department and stuff like that, uh, worse. I don't know. I'm not going to judge him on stuff that I don't know that he does or he doesn't do. But what I will say is that when I look at it overall, with Mark Allen being there, Gerard coming in, the last two years or 18 months since Gerard left, the deterioration in just about every department in the football side of the football club has went downhill in a, in a rapid, rapid rate to the point where uh, it's, like a, it's like a bus pipe and it needs a lag. Um, we need to get that sorted immediately. The guy is now away. I don't know if it's me, I, I, you know, with body language and things like that, but I got the feeling that Michael Beale wasn't too perturbed today. I think he's disappointed. I think he likes a boy on a, a personal level and stuff like that. But in terms of the job, I think he might be quite relieved. I get that. I just get that feeling that Gerard obviously was unhappy and left because he wasn't getting the players that he wanted. Uh, Geo didn't really pipe up and say much about these kind of type of you know what type of player he wanted. Um, and Michael Beale has been the complete opposite way from what Geo did. And turning around saying, I've identified a number nine, I have this player, I've identified five or six players, and I want them all in. And he's putting Ross Wilson under extreme pressure since the minute he's come in the door, I think. Uh, And I think it might well be something to do with him having full knowledge of what happened to Gerard at the time before he left and looking at it and saying, it's not happening to me. I am having what I I need in, in my team. This is my football team. It's my job that's on the line and it's my responsibility to get a winning team on that park that can challenge Celtic for this title and win trophies. So therefore I'm deciding what players are coming in. And listen, this is a whole lot of being honest with you. There's a lot of guesswork and uh, intuition there from me that I'm just looking at it and trying to see a broader picture. Uh, And in the main, I don't think he's done a particularly good job at all. Ross Wilson, I'm going to be honest with, but try and be fair and reasonable. And I just feel it's best for all concerned that he's away now. But it has been a, it's been a big fail for me. I've got to be honest. He, he's just been, I, I don't know, I've lost count of the amount. Of, we've said it before in this pod, I've lost count of the amount of windows, transfer windows we've had where you just shake your head at the end of it and go, this isn't going to be good enough. So uh, apart from that, I can't say much more, Chris, I've got to be honest. How do you see his legacy, Andrew? Well, I think in any kind of position like this, you want to be looking at every aspect of the club because you're brought in to oversee the entire club and you're looking to see improvement afterwards. Have we seen some progression in some areas? Sure. But fundamentally, Rangers' biggest money-earning stream is going to be through the men's football team. And that has gone backwards in terms of how it's set up for forward planning, in terms of how it's set in terms of saleable assets. Those those have regressed under under Wilson's remit. So we don't need to go over it in too much detail. I think it's safe to say that it's a good thing overall for Rangers Football Club that he is no longer the director of football because it was difficult to see how he was in a position to improve things going forward. So uh, I wish him all the best with his future, but I am happy that he's no longer at Rangers Football Club. 
And that's probably the nicest way that I can put everything I'd like to say about him. For me, I just think there was a complete disconnect from what's required at Rangers. Um, so from what's required at Rangers to what Rangers were actually being provided with under uh, Wilson, there was just a disconnect there, whether it was personnel behind the scenes, whether it was players on the pitch, whether it was uh, technology, whether it was understanding the the mentality of the fans, whether it was actually understanding that we don't actually give a shit about anything other than the, the men's football team. And, and, and that's no disrespect to other departments. Um, people can kind of say, oh, there's Chris being misogynistic there. I actually um, will go as far as saying it's not even about the women's team, it's about the youth team. Nobody cares about any of that. Um, we only care about the men's team. However, what I will say is when the men team, when the men's team is performing as poor as what we have over the last two seasons, albeit obviously a European final, I'll, I'll caveat that, um, everything gets highlighted, everything is under the microscope. So then you look at the failures of everywhere else. You look at the failures of the women's team, uh, despite probably the biggest budget in Scotland, we're not getting the success that we should be getting where, when, when you consider the investment. When you look at the youth team, still getting scalped off, uh, not just even Celtic, other, other youth teams. We look at the approach to uh, medical technology, um, it goes without saying really how bad that's been and then you look at the profile of players coming in you look at the profile of players being retained you look at the contract situation there's just a complete and utter disconnect so I think that if Rangers on the field the men's team on the field if they were more successful Ross Wilson would have got away with a lot of the neglect that's happened around the football club but because they haven't been successful Rangers fans tend to look at everything as a bigger picture which is not I would say that Rangers fans don't look at the bigger picture unless we're in the ship. Where it all is good on the park, everything else we don't care about. And nothing over the last 18 months really has been that great on the park. Now, I know that sounds quite selfish. It sounds quite spoiled when you consider that we've had a European final. But this is the problem with the European final for me. We got there. Uh, no one's going to convince me otherwise. Um I know I had these problems, but the reason we got to that European final was because of Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. It was he almost single-handedly took us there because he did show some great tactical nous. He did he, he had his arms tied behind his back with a lot of respect. You know, he didn't even have a striker for God's sake, and he still managed to mastermind a quite minor miracle, a modern-day football miracle. Um, and you think to yourself, Wilson brought him in, so that's a good thing for Wilson, really. But ultimately, Gio didn't work because there was a disconnect in what Rangers had been built up the philosophy, the metho- uh, method- uh, methodology sorry, over the last two or three years was built up by Beale and Gerrard and then it was the complete opposite as to what Gio was, yet Wilson was telling us that this was a well-researched appointment, we had him, we had our eye on him in case obviously we needed a contingency plan, we needed it to be a seamless transition, when it wasn't it was completely ripping up the book and starting again and then it set us back, um, set us back quite a while actually. Uh, probably at least a season. Obviously, this season been written off, and I hope that it is only a season, and we can start to recover next season. But that's the that's the issue with Wilson here. If we go into next season and start poorly, he's still going to be held responsible for that uh, to a certain degree. So we really have to put this chapter to bed with Ross Wilson. It was an ex- it was a necessity because we're going to come on and obviously should we replace him? I believe we should, but we'll have a wee chat about that. It was a necessity in, in terms of filling the role, but it was also an experiment because Ross Wilson did not align with what Rangers needed. Um, Rangers needed someone with more knowledge of what the club requires 
whereas Wilson done things Ross Wilson's way rather than the Rangers' way. And I think that's where the disconnect came about and I think that's where everything started to fall apart. And look, I've just, I'm going to say I've just slaughtered the guy. I think I've been really kind of kind there in my words in terms of I could have been a lot more harsh, but I've just pointed out all his negatives. So in the interest of fairness, I will try and balance it out with some positives. He gets two record sales in Nathan Patterson and and, uh, and uh, Calvin Bassey. I applaud him for that. Uh, the Joe Rebo sale, decent, but I actually think it's, on the whole, it was a very poor sale now that you actually see it a year down the line where he had a £10 million buyout clause and we sold him for six because we wanted to get that sell-on fee. We're never going to see that sell-on fee, so we undersold him there. Um, you look at when the very limited budget that we've had, you look at the players he's brought in, we didn't need a left-back this year. Borna Barisic has played the vast majority of games and yet you spend the biggest amount of your budget on the left-back uh, and then, coupled with the fact he doesn't play, your other marquee signing, Ravi Matondo, £3 million, and then a reported massive wage packet. Um, and then you look at the talent that has left Scotland um, under uh, Ross Wilson's time at Rangers and went over, uh, went to Italy and England and these players are right in front of them and, and, and ignored them. It's very funny how I just said I would go to the positives, but then I just started talking about more negatives than the positives. I think that sort of sums up Ross Wilson's time. But as I, as I say, in terms of replacement, I, I do believe a modern football club and the size of Rangers needs a, a sporting director. Now, I've seen a few things on Twitter saying Celtic don't have one. What Celtic do have, though, is they have a manager who's tapped into a market that no one in Scotland knew about and he's brought over some very good players. That market knowledge is eventually going to run out and they're going to need to start looking elsewhere other than Asia. And I think that's when you'll see Celtic deploying that um, that role. So I don't think that Ange can pull a, a, hat, a, a rabbit out the hat forever. I think they are eventually going to go over to the sporting director role. So I don't believe that's an argument not to have one. I think the, the vast amount of work now that is required at a football club, you need that intermediary uh, between manager and board. And that's what Ross Wilson should have been. And there's plenty of very... And this is the thing about Rangers fans. We get scared when something good is meant to happen, but it, it doesn't. And we almost were like, right, it failed under someone, so we don't want it at all now because it failed under that particular person. No, well, just a wee bit unlucky. We got a guy who was a wee bit out of his depth. Um, we just need to get somebody better. And the whole purpose of the, the sporting director role is so vast, man. They, they, they cover every single thing when it comes to football operations. As I've mentioned a few there, obviously, the, the women's team, the youth teams, the B team, the integration between youth football and professional football, the club culture. You then look at the medical department, the scouting department. Everything goes through that. And you're asking either other individuals to head those things and then hopefully nothing gets muddied in the water when it comes to uh, communication or you're asking Michael Beale to take charge of some of those things Michael Beale's get enough in his plate and that's why a modern football team you look at all the big teams, the successful teams, um, Barcelona Real Madrid, Man City, Arsenal uh, Liverpool uh, they, they've all especially Italy as well Italy, that, that the football in Italy is on the rise again Every big Italian team has this role. You just have to do it. You have to have it. And and I firmly believe if we go ahead without replacing Ross Wilson, it will be a mistake in the long term. In the short term, it would be nice and rosy getting all these kind of new players in and making so or Michael Beale identified him and that. And, and it's good that you can actually have a clear identity for these players. But as the longer time goes on, it's going to be like the Postecoglou syndrome. He's going to run out of rabbits at the heart and we do need to kind of look further afield. And... 
that's why I believe that we, we do need to replace him. Um, before we come on to potential replacements, Kenny, where do you stand on that? Do you believe that it needs to be um, that the role needs to be kept, or do you see it as maybe a waste of money? Do you see it's not needed? Are you quite happy for heads of departments to run all these individual things, and hopefully that communication isn't muddied somewhere? No, it has to be kept. Uh, the reason for for Rangers first and foremost there that it has to be kept is because uh, our investors put that executive board in place. They put Stuart Robertson there. They put James Blair there. They put all these different people there, Ross Wilson included, um, Bisgrove and all the like. And they're left to do the day-to-day running of the, you know, steering the ship, so to speak. Uh, our investors are not experts in the the day-to-day running of a football club. That's what a director of football does. Um, so, yes, we will replace them. I'm, I'm 100% certain of that. Um I also noticed today that I, I actually think it's, it might, I don't know if it is for the first time, but it's something I've seen today was that every single Premier League club in England has a director of football or a chief officer or whatever, six different names, but all the same thing. Uh, so, yeah, you look at Germany, it's been there for decades, decades, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, Italy's the same. Spain's got it. Yeah, it's, it's just the, the modern way of doing things. Uh, a football manager now is effectively a, a thing of the past. You're, you're a head coach, or you're the manager, you're, or you're managing the first team. Yeah, the job is too big now because you have got, as you say, a first team, uh, an under twenty threes, an under eighteens, an under whatever. Um, you've got a women's team. You've got teams playing, and you know we've got a, a team playing in the top tier of, of Scottish football, but we've also got a team playing in the fifth tier. You know, so it, it's it's a very professional thing that one particular manager can't possibly do. So do do I agree with that the actual role? Yes, I do. I actually think it works as long as you've got the right person there. So I do think we'll replace them. Yeah, and I, I think it's the right thing to do, Chris. I really do. What about you, Andrew? Um, I kind of agree with Kenny there. You know, the um the way that a modern football club now runs. You, you want to have that structure in place. Um, we do have another, t- we have a team around uh, the director of football, the football operations kind of department that will look after elements of this. But I think for a modern football club to work properly, you need that figurehead. You need someone to be driving that forward. And ultimately, you don't want to be in a position where the manager leaves the club and you've got to rip all that up and start again. The idea of the director of football is to put continuity into that role and ensure that you have a good transition and you know there's arguments to be made to how well Ross Wilson has left us prepared for this transition but there is still a structure in place there is still that organization there so there is a position to be filled there and I think it would be best if we did do that. There's a few now listen there's no been any substantial some substantiated reports in terms of who the replacement's going to be. There's not even been any reports that there is indeed going to be a replacement. But there has been a few names now. There is one name in particular at the moment who is still at Rangers um and he has a very good track record, especially in Scottish football, and that's John Part. Now John John Part's the head of recruitment. Um I believe that he should be moved into the role on an interim basis. Um, just to oversee it until we maybe look for a more permanent um, replacement or maybe even John Park himself could be the permanent replacement. I think that's the way to go. But there has been a few names put into the mix here. Uh, Christian Nellinger I've seen um, and David Weir. Now, what I'm going to say about David Weir is 
again, some people that have been dis- 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 discussing this particular subject with, um, it's just been, a, it's, it's a wee bit of kind of ignorance towards role. Now, I hate that because I feel kind of condescending. It's how I've been on the end of that where people say you don't understand the role. No, listen, I do understand the role. That's why I was so against Ross Wilson because he was just fundamentally failing within the role. But you look at David Weir um, and the job he's done at Brighton. Now, I don't think it's realistic to get David Weir. However, I do think we should be asking the question. He's a Rangers man. Pull on his heart, strings a wee bit, see what happens. What's the worst they could do? He could tell us no. Okay, fine, we move on. Now, let me tell you why David Weir's the ideal replacement. Look at what Brighton have done over the last 18 to 24 months where David Weir has been involved in a, a big chunk of that um, system. Now, he started off as a loan manager and their director of football, I think it was actually Dan Ashworth, who then moved to, to Newcastle when the Saudis bought them out, which, by the way, Ross Wilson wanted that job, but anyway, that's by the by. So when Dan Ashworth left Brighton, David Weir went from loan manager at Brighton to the director of football or sporting director. Now, a lot of people said, I bet he's just continuing the good work that Dan Ashworth did. No, actually, David Weir has got a track record at Brighton. He was a loan manager and he sent out uh, Matoma, the, the Japanese boy who's turning into an absolute superstar. He sent him out and loan twice and he sent Alexis McAllister out and loan twice. And he monitored that progression. He picked the two perfect clubs for each of these players, monitored the progression, and then integrated them into the the the, the, the first team at Brighton. And these guys, are genuinely, these guys could reach up to £100 million between them. That's how much that Brighton are looking at getting for these two players. Now, when was the last time we actually sent a player out on loan? They progressed, they went into the first team, and then we sold them on. Charlie Adam, I think, maybe, possibly. I think it is Charlie Adam. So David Weir's got the experience of that side of things, which is missing the Rangers. And then you look at the other side of it. David Weir was the director of football, sporting director, whatever you want to call it, when Graham Potter left. And what did David Weir do? He looked at the potential replacements. He looked at what's the best fit to come in and continue this transition from Potter to new manager. He brought in Desebre, And Desebre has not only had a smooth transition from Potter exiting and to him arriving, you would actually say it's kicked Brighton up a level. You compare that to Wilson, where we went from Gerard to Gio to Beal. Absolute shit show. Again, you look at the the lone players that we've the 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 departed Rangers over the years. Um essentially there's a joke here. When Rangers players go out and loan, they go out to die. Because that's it. The Rangers career is over. The minute you're sent out and loan, that's it, it's done. You're getting sold within a couple of years. And that is reality, that's a fact. And you look at how David Weir used the loan system. He's created a hundred million pound worth of talent for two players. Ideal candidate. Now, it's pie in the sky stuff, but that's how you do the role. That is a high performance sporting director. And that is what we need to look at. Someday within David Weir's ilk, somebody that can actually do the job to the absolute full potential that the job uh, entails you to, to do so. And as I say, I don't think David Weir's realistic. I, sh- I certainly think we should be asking the question, but that—that that is that's the bar. You want to keep talking about the bar rises. You want to talk about best in class. David Weir's one of the best in Britain, and he's a Rangers man. It's perfect for me. Uh, but as I say, I, without repeating myself, I do understand there is a slight element of, un, uh, of it being unrealistic. You need to look at David Weir's uh, personal situation as well. Every time he's been involved at Rangers, whether it's a player or assistant manager, his family have stayed down south, so he might consider that as well. His son actually plays for Brighton as well, so he might actually consider that. And of course, the way that he left Rangers as assistant manager, that might come into it as well. But nonetheless, 
the point remains, somebody of David Weir's standard of work must be the aim here. Kenny, what do you think about it? Do you think Weir's unrealistic? And do you think David Weir is the standard bearer for what a sporting director should be doing? Because, as I say, I genuinely believe he's one of the best in Britain, if not the best. He's certainly done a fine job at Brighton, there's no doubt in that. The record, the, the results and his record speaks for itself. Uh, do you know how much he paid for the, the, the young boys? What's it, the, the Japanese boys name it? Min... Matoma. Matoma. Uh, well, how much that, they paid for him? I, I'll actually, uh, I'll, I'll, I think it was half a million, but they also paid half a million for Evan Ferguson, and that boy is a superstar. Yeah. Um, he's only 18, he's got like eight Premier League goals in 16 games, uh, so that's a million quid for two players that are going to... Well, whoever signed him has got an eye for a player, there's no doubt in that, but listen, he is a standard bear, he, he would be a... Uh, a wonderful appointment if you could get him. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. Sadly, I don't think he would even contemplate leaving there at this minute in time. I think they're a football club very much on the up. Uh, might they have peaked in terms of Brighton being, uh, you know, that kind of how high can you go in the, the English pyramid, if you like, being Brighton when... You've got that top six, top eight up, you know, down there. I don't know if you could properly break into that and stay there. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm not sure how sustainable it is with Brighton. But at the same time, he has done a tremendous job there. So, yes, I, I, I would love to, to think that Rangers would actually look at it and say, look, even just put the feeler out, would you be interested? Uh, but I can't see him being interested, to be honest with you, Chris. I really can't. But what I will say is I got a little uh, rumour thrown at me today is that Stuart Robertson was at the airport today and was perhaps on his way down to London to talk to Paul Mitchell. Now, I believe Paul Mitchell was the guy who was at Monaco. I don't know who he, he is. Who, who was he at before? Because I believe he's got a bit of a track record. He's got a track record in England. I need to double check. I, I read it this morning and I honestly can't remember who the clubs were. I know he played for Wigan and stuff like this. Um, Man United... Uh, were looking at him before they signed Ranić last year. Liverpool uh, had been linked with him just recently until I can't remember who they appointed, but they've just appointed somebody as well. Um, so he's well sought after. Who he is and the job he's done, I don't really know. To be, pardon me, to be honest, I've heard his name over the years, but I don't know a great deal about him, so couldn't really overly comment on the guy and the job that he's done, but whether it's true or not, I have no idea, Chris. It was just a wee rumour. But back to my point about David Wheel being the standard bearer, it's certainly the type of name that I want us to be linked with. A guy with a track record who can do the job really, really well. And I, I if it's Paul Mitchell, I'm excited about that one as well, because as I say, I, I don't want to pluck a, a, a guy with all due respect that comes from a, a lesser club and a lesser league and then expect him to do the job that he's not done in that scale before at a size at club at Rangers. So a Paul Mitchell, David Weir type, those kind of names, that's the kind of names I want to be hearing. Absolutely, 100% want to be hearing names like that. Totally agree. Um, the, what I will say, as I say, um, about you know what I read today is that he very highly regarded at Monaco. He's decided to come back to Britain because he wants to uh, be back closer to his family and stuff like that. So... He'll announce, I think it was only announced three weeks ago that, or he announced it three weeks ago that he was coming home. So the timing of it all, you know, with Ross Wilson and what Michael Beale said about, he'd heard that a couple of weeks ago that Ross Wilson was leaving, all about 
coincidental, I suppose, but yeah, you never know. Andrew, uh, Dave from the podcast has flung Mark Warburton's hat in the ring. What do you feel about that? I'm just more worried about you getting onto anyone's train here, Chris, because the last time you touted someone this hard for a job at Rangers, his name was Kevin Muscat. So I'm I'm worried about you getting too invested in something before it actually happens. Uh, Um, Listen, essentially means what you're saying there is it's not going to happen. I understand. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, to be honest, uh, I'm I'm just encouraged by the fact that we are looking to replace him. I think there are good options out there. I think, you know, whether it's Warburton or Weir, as far as I understand it, especially with regards to David Weir, um, you know, despite the way that he left the club, um, I understand there's no acrimony there between the two parties. Um, Weir's been involved in uh, in other bits with the club since then. Um, and I don't believe there's any hard feelings. Warburton, I'm not so sure if that's the case still or not. Um, but again, you know, we um, as long as a certain Frank McParland isn't involved with either Warburton or Weir, I think we're all good on that front because we still have some of those players at the club right now. Um, who were signed by uh, Warburton and Weir. So, look, despite all of our speculation, the the fact that we are looking to replace him, the fact that we are looking to maintain that that structure, that's the positive for me. Um, As as far as uh, anyone new coming in, see them come in, we'll see what they do with the job. Hopefully it's a better job than the last guy. Yep. Um, And one final parting shot to Ross Wilson. It wouldn't be hard. Uh, Kenny... Final point here, since the Europa League final, we've lost our chairman, we've lost our sporting director, and we've lost our manager. Douglas Park, Ross Wilson, and Giovanni Van Bronckhorst have all left. Is that a cause for concern, or do you see the positives in that, where we've turned a new leaf now? We've put a relatively unsuccessful period behind us, and we now look forward to a hopefully more successful period in terms of trophies won. No, it's a concern, Chris. Listen, in the last two years, we've lost two chairmen, two managers, uh, one director of football and two of our best players. Um, listen, the, the regression, this is, this is the point about Ross Wilson uh, for me, that something that I was wanting to say was we won the league less than two years, or two years ago by 25 points. We sit here now 12 points behind them. We were four points behind last year. That's a 41-point swing. 41 yeah. points, Chris. Aye, it's bad, aren't it? In <laughs> uh, literally 70 games. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? That's the difference. That The, the swing is so huge that if it's what we said last, you know, last week on the pod. If Rangers fans aren't concerned about what's going on at a football club, they really need to open their eyes, waking up, give themselves a slap and, and actually understand where we're at. Two chairmen, two managers and a director of football all gone in the space of, what, 18 months, two years. Uh, we are we are a club in a bit of turmoil. Um, but for some reason, you know, we all seem to think we're not far away. Um, we're, we're miles away. We are absolutely miles away, Chris. And we need to uh, be concerned about that. Yes, we really do need to be concerned about that. Andrew, I tried my very best to be positive and get a positive comment out of Kenny there, but his reality's hit home and really hit hard. Um, are you as concerned as Kenny? Well, you know me. I'm I'm the one who's meant to be the positive one on this thing, right? Um, right, so look, you're going to tell me that you're very concerned. <laughs> oh, I'm fucking terrified. Uh, no, I mean, uh, so I think it's undeniable that we did have some success on Ross Wilson. Uh, won the first league title we have in ages. Um, reached the Europa League final. But... The 
thing that is most important is that we saw what some success looked like, but we also saw underachievement. What that means for me is that there is potential for sure for improvement on what we can do with the resources that we have at this club. So the positive for me is we've seen how bad things can be. Now we can see how well they can go going forward. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, it's... uh, Listen, I can see both sides. Yeah, I can see potential positives, but I also need to look at the reality. And the reality is, it's not a good look. It's not a good look losing. Um, I mean, this this isn't the the greatest example of a chairman. Of course, it's not right. But I grew up, and David Murray was always the chairman, always the chairman. Now people will say with uh, revisionism that he was a bad chairman. Okay, okay, that's fine. I actually would agree with that. At the time, it was all pipe dreams and. Uh, was it Moonbeams? Yeah, cool. Uh, he sold us a dream and he then sold us down the river. But at the time, the continuity of having one guy as a stalwart, the figurehead of Rangers Football Club, that's all I'd ever known. And then, since Murray stepped down, we've had fucking hell like Craig White, Charles Green, David Summers, Walter Smith was chairman for a period. We had Malcolm Murray. Uh, I'm probably missing. We had we had uh, Paul Murray. We had Dave King. We had Douglas Park. We had John Bennett. So that's ni- that's nine. I've been counting my fingers. That's nine um, chairmans in a decade. Uh, that that for Rangers is well, I'm saying a decade, just over a decade. That that for Rangers is not good enough. So that is a concern. Sporting director, not so much. And then you look at the managers. Ali was. Um, Kenny Andrew Helmut here was Ali the 12th or the 13th Rangers manager. Um, I can't, I can't, he was either the 12th or the 13th. I believe the 12th, I believe the 12th. 12th, it was, yeah. So, what are we now on the 19th Rangers manager? I think we're Michael Beale, 18th or 19th. Um, it depends if you count double uh shifts and uh, how well Stuart McCall and uh, all the other guys kind of fit into that as well, yeah. But yeah, it's it's up there, it's up there in terms of I get your point, there's been. Turnover to be it's fair. A high, it's a high turnover of chairmen and a high turnover of managers, which is very un Rangers like. So, all we need to do now is back Bennett and back Beale. And uh, the concern I have about Beale is he's not going to have the patience of the fans. And that's not Beale's fault, by the way. But I believe Beale will knuckle down and, and get on with the job. Um, it's when your only problem as a Rangers manager is trying to figure out how to beat Celtic, it's believe it or not, the job isn't actually that hard then. It's when you can't beat the other teams is when the job becomes harder. So he's figured out that. So now we just need to figure out how to beat Celtic, um, which in a kind of weird way makes his job a lot easier, I would say personally. But I totally get your point. Both is there is positives, there is negatives. But when you look at the bigger picture, the high turnover of chairmen, the high turnover of managers, we've now had a wee bit of a kind of high turnover of sporting directors. Because even at that, the last five years we've had two sporting directors, which the sporting director model should be five years for one guy to see the whole vision come to fruition. So even at that, we've, we've had a bit of a high turnover there. Um, we just need to get this appointment right. We need to make sure that Bill is backed. We need to make sure that Bill does his job. And then I'm sure John Bennett would absolutely need to be dragged, kicking and screaming out of that chairman's office to ever relinquish that role. So I hope that he is a good chairman as well. So all we can do as fans is back them all. And I'm sure we will, uh, of course, until St Mon beat us at the weekend. Um, so that kind of, it's, it's a longer podcast than we probably envisaged, but obviously there was a big, massive news over the last couple of days regarding Rangers. Uh, and make no mistake about it, uh, Without getting too rabble rousy here, the the, the fans uh, the, we've got our way. So 
we just need to hope that we were all correct in what we were seeing and what we were seeing was poor because if, <laughs> if things go tits up for a new director, I really don't know where we go from there. But we've got our way. Wilson has been, well, he's not been removed technically. Wilson has moved on and it's a fresh start for everyone at Rangers and we hope that that's the start of something uh, more positive during the next season. But there's still a lot to play for um, towards the end of this season. Maybe not in the league, but there's obviously a massive, massive cup game coming up. So it's not about just putting one eye to next season. We need to keep both eyes focused on, on the game in a couple of weeks as well. Um, just before I thank the guys, obviously, uh, social media. So if you can follow us, like us or subscribe to us, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're on YouTube, Amazon Music, Spotify and Apple Music. So if you can like, subscribe or follow us in any that, Andrew will give you the email in due course. Also, um, if you could leave a review on uh Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. Uh, Spotify have integrated a new system where you can ask us questions. I'll discuss that with Andrew offline, how to get that kind of live, because uh, I've seen every basically every podcast that I listen to in Spotify now have got that feature, so I'll be looking to get that feature for us as well, because it is something that I would like to improve between us and the listeners as a wee bit of um, communication, because uh, if we're talking a lot of shite, I want to hear about it. If we're kind of spot on with what you think, I want to hear that as well. So good or bad, I do want to hear that. So I would like to improve that over pre-season and in the next season. Um, Kenny mentioned, obviously, something about the start of my Twitter. So there is some news about that. Um, I'm starting a new Twitter. Uh, and this isn't a kind of self-indulgent bullshit that I'm going to come out with here. I, I really don't care. But the news here is we're going to move over the Saturday free Twitter account to my current Twitter um, and we'll be using that going forward at the start of May. So that will be integrated fully from the start of May and we'll be using that account. So if you follow me on Twitter, um, I'm retweeting my new account every so often at the moment before I finally go over to that. And then Saturday 3 will become my current Twitter's uh, kind of home base. Um, and again, all that's really left for me to do is first of all, thank the listeners. Thank you very much, um, as always. And of course, uh, Kenny, thank you. Thanks, Chris. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good chat. Good yep. man. Cheers, Andrew. And uh, producer Andrew, thank you very much, mate. No worries at all. Um, like we said, uh, we always love feedback from you listeners, but the email address is contact at saturdayat3.co.uk. Uh, no numbers or letters. So, yeah, if you have anything, feedback, comments, questions, you want to talk about a specific subject, you want to ask us questions about a specific subject, you want to come on and discuss a specific subject, we're here for you. Um, we only do this because you guys listen. So um, so keep that up and we'll keep doing it. Actually, there's a good point you made there, Andrew. Something I did want to add on there as well. Um, if you are interested in ever coming on, uh, just drop uh, uh, drop us a line um, at the email provided there. Um, Andrew, obviously, post the email on the link to the show as well. And we are going to look to grow uh, over next season. A few exciting things are in the pipeline. Can't really mention them at the moment, but a few exciting things definitely are in the pipeline and we will be looking to grow our uh, suit of uh, podcasters. So even if you're interested in getting into podcasting, uh, give us get, drop us a line and we'll see what we can do. Uh, no guarantees at the moment, but any interest, we can obviously explore that uh, further down the line. So I hope Rangers win at the weekend and we'll be back next week to look back on this game and hopefully it's three points for Rangers. Cheers.